Hello, and welcome to the Guardian Test Prep Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Seitz. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Seitz, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Guardian Test Prep, an NREMT test prep company that specializes in helping EMT and paramedic students pass their national registry exam. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. So how many marathons have you run so far? Two. Two. Okay. So a question I have about marathon. I've never run a marathon. Question I have about marathon runners in general. Do you guys know that you don't have to do that? There's not a shorter race. What's that? There's not a shorter race. Right, but do you, do you know that you don't have to? I guess it's just my general question. Yeah, I mean, it, okay, just checking. All right, everybody, welcome to Guardian Test Prep Back to Basic Podcast. Uh, we're excited to be back today. Um, we are also excited to announce that pretty soon here, we will be launching Guardian CME. Guardian CME is going to be a 100% free CAPSI accredited uh, website. We're going to have, uh, I'll, I won't share the the other people who will be contributing yet to the content, but we've got some, it's a surprise. It, it is a surprise, but we've got some awesome content that's going to be released here in a couple months on our new CME platform, hundred percent CAPC accredited. Uh, we were what, really excited. Let's about explain that. what that means. All right. CAPC accreditation. It means that it doesn't matter what state you're in. doesn't matter what country you're in. You can get a CME for it. Okay. So like every state, every country recognizes CAPC as like, Hey, you get your CE. So if you're an EMS provider and you need CEs, these will do them for you. North Korea, 100%. North Korea does not. I don't know if North Korea has medics. <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> uh, we don't know much about them in general. But no, anyway, we're excited to announce that we will be releasing that soon, hopefully in the next month, uh, maybe two months. Uh, but we need your input. We need to know that you are interested. So if you could, if you'd be interested. Now, again, this is going to be 100% free. We will not be charging anything at all for you to get this, these CAPSI credits. Uh, you'll be able to get CAPSI credits for listening to our content. We're going to have other content contributors that we're excited to announce in the coming weeks. If you want to hear more, if you want to get uh, an update when that is ready and launched, please go to guardiancme.com, and you just put in your first name and your email address. We promise not to spam you. We just want to know that you're interested and let you know when, uh, when we have things ready to go. It's going to so, be awesome. It's going to be great. Now, we're really excited about it. Anyway, but like I said, we are excited to announce those things. Uh, we'll be giving you updates as uh, as the weeks go on. But uh, we thank you for your guys' support in this. So we couldn't do it without you listening. Because <laughs> if there was no one listening, we would have no reason to make that I'd happen. still talk. I'd still do it. You'd still do it. All right, cool. All right, well, Jason, why don't you introduce our topic today? What are we going today to Today we're talking about conditions that cause acute vision loss. We say vision loss because it's not necessarily blindness all the time, but we're talking about conditions that emergently cause acute vision loss. Okay. So this is not you are losing vision over time, you need nope. glasses. This is... Some of the stuff's related to that, but no. Okay. So this is because you are... why would you call an ambulance? So here's here's my whole thing, all right? Right. We mostly are talking about emergency medicine on this podcast, right? right? We're right. talking when we're usually addressing nurses, ER docs, ER techs, paramedics and EMTs, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me why you would call 911 for over the past 4 years I've been getting <laughs> decreased vision because I'm getting old. Now, granted, I'm sure I was probably say. everyone listening has had a call like that. But it's not an emergency. The same right? reason that I would call about my abdominal pain that's been going on for two yes, years. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, but anyway, not the topic today. Basically, we're talking about real emergencies here on this podcast. We're very serious about it. And a real emergency is, uh oh, all of a sudden I can't see. Got it. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. Jump in. 
Let's do oh, it. Oh, right, right away. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, first thing I want to talk about is recognize that these are priority one emergencies. Can you tell me why, Chris? Because they're not unstable. Right. Usually we define a priority one emergency as an unstable patient. This patient's not unstable. They're not going to die anytime soon. Why is acute vision loss a priority one emergency? So I think that there, and this is a, this is a good starting point because the there are things that can kill us, and then there are things that can extremely uh, limit and um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but quality basically, of life. yeah, quality of life. They can really affect our quality of life. Yes, make it worse. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm saying. Like you know what I mean. Yep. So, and acute vision loss, especially with acute vision loss, the chance of you having ongoing vision loss forever is high because these are higher risk uh, entities or dis- diagnoses, diseases that we're talking about today. So, acute vision loss, just like an acute headache. So, you know, like things that come on suddenly are usually, and this is a kind of a blanket statement. I don't always like to use blanket statements, but at the same time, usually things that happen acutely, acute chest pain, acute abdominal pain, acute girl down that, no, I'm just kidding, uh, acute headaches, <laughs> things like that, they are going to be more life-threatening in general than things that come on more gradually. So especially when it comes to vision loss, that can be huge morbidity, um, real decreased quality of life. So right. that's why priority one. If all of a sudden you can't see... That's bad. Right. And and I don't want to... To take it back to basics. So <laughs> to take it back to basics, don't you don't want to go blind. Right. And like a lot of the stuff we talk about today, guys, when we talk about acute vision loss, like it is it is straight up blindness. Like there's there's one condition that's affects more central vision. There's one condition that affects more. But like this stuff can lead to full on blindness, like pretty much immediately mm-hmm. or effectively blindness because your your vision's so bad. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that would be bad, right? Like... We also consider things like like burns to the hands, you know, trauma to the hands. Those are priority ones because if I don't have my hands, I can't use my hands, and that's bad, right? Quality so, of life, yep. Yeah, quality of life stuff. Burns to the genitals. Mm-hmm. Trauma to the to the genitals. Would you rather have trauma to your eyes or to your genitals? Eyes. <laughs> okay. You'd rather be blind but have a working... Well, here's the thing is if you think about it, the sex just gets better. That makes sense because when you're blind, all your other senses are heightened. Like Daredevil. Is that true though? <laughs> do, do we know if yeah, that's true? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. All right, cool. I mean, I think it might be like hearing. I don't know if I want to hear, <laughs> I I want to hear the noises more. Yeah, that's okay. But I don't know. It depends. Maybe like. Also, think of it this way it doesn't matter who you're with, they're gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Because your imagination. So maybe your quality of life goes up. Yeah. I think we could end the podcast right here. There's no, you know what? There's no need to do this. <laughs> All right, we digress. All right, all right. So let's talk about what's the, what's the first condition we're going to talk about. First condition we're going to talk about is called. I'm looking at my notes here. Retinal detachment. Okay, retinal detachment. So your retina is. So the retina is essentially the back of your eye. So that's the part of your eye that has your. You guys, if you want to take it back to basics, way back to the anatomy physiology of your eye, your rods and your cones, the things that actually allow you to see. Right, that actually take the light and allow you to like see objects. So the retina is in the back of your eye, has your rods and your cones. In retinal detachment, it detaches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. that's and what if you happens. want a more an in-depth explanation of how your eye works and the anatomy and the phys- physiology, in our in our prep program, we have a very good video that covers eye, ears, nose, throats conditions, mm-hmm. and we cover like the rods and the cones and the structures of the eye. We're not going to get too into anatomy and physiology today. We kind of want to jump into the conditions because surprisingly, there's like a lot of conditions that lead to yeah. acute vision loss that we need to kind of get through. That's actually so. one thing too we should probably point out is that like 
the eyes can be, I mean, especially even for me as an emergency physician, I mean, like eye conditions are, are hard, right? There's a ton of them. Some of them are life-threatening. Some of them are not. And examining the eye, even in the emergency department, is really difficult. I mean, like it, to actually see the back of the eye and to see the vessels and to measure vision, it, it's it's difficult. Especially, it's difficult for the patient, which makes it difficult for you, right? Yeah. Like trying to keep, keep someone's eye open in order to get these examinations done. So stuff with the eye. I, I'm excited that we're talking about this today because I think that especially in emergency medicine, both in the field and in the hospital, in emergency care, it's real easy to be like, oh, there's a problem with your eye, we'll get you to an eye doctor, Yeah, right? And that is quite a process. I've had to call ophthalmologists from home to come in. Like, there's no ophthalmologist sitting in a stand call by, room. Standby emergency ophthalmologist. Yeah, there's right? usually not. I mean, some of the bigger facilities I've worked at, like you might have ophthalmology in-house if it's a day it's they're normal, in-house. Yeah, normal hours. But at night or on the weekend or and in most hospitals, there's no ophthalmologist roaming the halls seeing patients. So like you got to call someone in. And, and some of these conditions, they are very time sensitive. So the quicker and the more efficiently we diagnose them, the quicker we can get them the treatments that they need. Yeah. So again, like I said, the eyes can sometimes be intimidating in terms of, you know, like there's so many conditions, like you said. Again, today we're focusing in on what are the acute conditions that we need to be on the lookout and that's a nice way to simplify and take it back to basics i think is to say okay i know there's tons of things that could be happening but what are the three or four things that really have to be on the lookout and how do i diagnose those you could say we're taking a look at those things i see what you did there because you look with your eyes yes okay you didn't have to explain it all right cool (laughs) um that's gonna go on the title of the podcast all right um so retinal detachment, like you said, retinal, you got your cones, your rods, it's responsible for your vision. All of a sudden that detaches. How can it detach? A couple different ways. There are medical conditions that can cause it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's very, it's rare. It's a rare trauma thing, but in emergency medicine, it's, that's a common th- reason we'll see retinal detachment, sure. right? So like. Trauma is rare in general, right? But we see more of it. So, And a lot of times it'll happen after trauma. Like you've had trauma and then like. A short time thereafter, all of a sudden the guy's like, oh, I can't see now. You know what I mean? Like, so something you have to consider. So what happens a lot of times is it's preceded by a condition called, and Chris, you'll have to help me out with this pronunciation, vitreous? Vitreous. Vitreous detachment. Vitreous detachment. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Vitreous detachment. And that can be recognized by like increased floaters. Floaters Mm -hmm. are like the little floaty things that get in your vision sometimes. And flashes of light. So when we talk about prevention of this, it's recognition of that. And the vitreous is that like almost like jelly-like substance that's like in your eye. Like it's like the the jelly-like. So when that kind of starts to like separate or that's why you start to see these like floaters and flashes of light and things like that. Okay. So that's why it's good to ask. Again, we, we always talk about like good assessment, good history taking asking questions of like, hey, have you had any increased like flashings of light, floating things in your vision, spots in your vision, asking them if they've had other things that have happened before that. Yeah. And if they say something like, oh yeah, for the last week or so, I've been feeling, you know, like that's, that's you really smack good. over the head and you say, why didn't you go to an ophthalmologist? You could. What, or an optometrist. What's the difference? Okay, good question. So an optometrist yep, yep. is not a physician. They are trained basically in, so they're the ones you're going to go to your glasses, your contacts, and all that kind of stuff. They're, they basically are 
specialized in in vision and to improve vision and things like that. An ophthalmologist is a medical doctor trained in the eye. So they're the ones who are going to handle more invasive procedures like LASIK surgery and but they don't fixing retinal detachment. Glasses. They usually an optometrist will work like with, with an ophthalmologist, okay. but the optometrist will be the one that. All right. I was a little bit worried that like the unlicensed guy was giving you like the hey this is what's going to correct your vision for the rest of your life. No, no, like, th- that's what they're trained to do. They're trained okay. to like help you with your glasses and kind of, like that. That's what that. I'm, and I'm probably there's probably going to see some optometrists out there who's like super offended right now because I, I th- I'm sure there's much more to it than just that. Sure, yeah. But they're not. They're not medical, medical doctor. Doctors. A medical doctor would be an ophthalmologist. Right. Yeah. An optometrist is a different version of that. Not really. Well, I don't want to be like it's lesser than. It's not. It's not lesser Everyone's than. Everyone's important. Just Everyone is equal and important <laughs> and valued in God's eyes. Fair. Fair. All, All right. right. You get the vitreous detachment first. Yes. So they could have yeah, these so flashers. So that's the thing is you, you should recognize these things early and encourage patients to be getting their, their vision checkups. And also, like, if you had a bunch of floaters in your eye all of a sudden, we're going to c- consider you the patient right now. If you have a bunch of floaters in your eye, don't wait on it for a couple of weeks because it can progress into retinal detachment, which could, like, have you lose your vision forever. It could, right. So don't do that. So retinal detachment has a couple, like, token signs, like, like highlighted, like, this it makes it really obvious. And it's actually a pretty common test question, mm-hmm. um, both on NREMT stuff and on the NCLEX, I saw this a lot. Yeah, I mean, this um, is on, on my this is on the, the ER sure, board yeah, as ER well. Board. Yeah, yeah. So if the patient describes, or in the question, the patient describes like a curtain pulling over their vision, or sometimes it's like from the side or sometimes it's over the top, but basically like a dark curtain falls over their vision as they become blind, mm-hmm. uh, that's retinal detachment. Yeah, and it's usually just one eye. It's not It's not both eyes. This is happening in one eye. Like there's That makes sense because you have two retinals. Right, yeah. So you're yeah. not going to like randomly detach both retinas at the same time. That would be like... Yeah, Impossible. I guess I didn't consider that. Yeah, so just but how do you eye. recognize a curtain then falling? I guess well, because all yeah, all of a sudden this it's like the eyelid closes, but it doesn't because yeah. it's inside. That's weird. Yeah, and that is that is very common. Now, just like everything in medicine, is it every single time? Probably not. Maybe and if you woke up from it, maybe you didn't see this retina. Det- and if you yeah. think about it, the retina is detaching; it's peeling off the back. That's that like as it peels off, you see the you know that shade come down, sort of thing. So this will usually lead to central vision loss. And then another thing that you can see with it sometimes, and these are questions to ask your patient. Like if they have acute vision loss, you kind of want to ask some of these questions like, hey, was there a dark curtain that fell over? They might be able to give you some. You don't have to be so open-ended questions with it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that you can – straight lines can start to become like curvy. Okay. So And that makes sense too is the retina is detaching. It's like warping. The, it's warping your – Right. Yeah, your and it's painless. It's, there's no pain with this. So a couple of the conditions we talk about have painful vision loss. This is a, this is not pain. So it's painless. It's like a curtain or a shade coming down over the eye, and obviously happens acutely because that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think that's what's tough is if it's trauma related, the trauma might have hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. But yeah, the yeah. detachment itself won't won't be. Painful. And usually, like I said, usually the detachment will happen after. So yeah. usually there will be a delay between like the the head trauma or whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden the patient losing vision in one eye. It's mm-hmm. not like they get hit in the head and they lose vision. The retina doesn't get like torn off. It detaches after the fact. Now, and like you said, trauma is actually a rare case of retinal detachment. We just have a high propensity to see it because we deal with trauma, right? Right. Cool. Right. All right. That was the first one. What's next? That's retinal detachment. Okay, so real quick, it is worth talking about the uh, prevention and, like, treatment of it, yeah, right? Yeah, so sure. prevention we talked about, notice that uh, vitreous, vitreous detachment. detachment, so the floaters and the flashes. Uh, treatment is going to be surgery. 
85% of retinal detachment surgeries, you can do it in one surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, the other 15% take two or more. Okay. Um, I mean, literally, that's what the ophthalmologist will basically go in and he's reattach. He's like the eye surgeon. Right, yeah. Reattach yeah. The, the retina. Yep. Cool. Um, and I don't really know how extensive that is or like what success rate is or anything like that. But I think it's pretty successful. And again, if it's caught early, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's the importance that we're trying to highlight here as emergency providers. We need to be able to recognize that as quickly as we can. Yeah. And then one thing that we can do as emergency providers is, we'll talk more about this later, but provide compassionate, you know, empathetic care and yeah. comfort, right? Like that's, it's very scary to all of a sudden lose your vision sure, and you're yeah. worried that you're going to go blind. Like that's a, that's a very upsetting situation. So mm-hmm. keep your patient stable, keep them calmed and be compassionate and listen, right? Yeah. And I think I'll, I'll highlight too that for most of these acute um, vision loss uh, diagnoses, it's it's one it's one eye. Yeah. If you have if both of your eyes go blind, you You're probably have a stroke. Really you probably have a stroke. That, that, I mean, that, that's literally like if you if both of your eyes get shut off. If you look at the way that the the um, uh, nerves from your eyes they kind of cross in the back in your in the cerebellum because actually the cerebellum, the lower part of that brain in the back, is where you like your vision is basically interpreted, but they cross. So if you have, you know, obviously like one side of vision loss can be a sign of a stroke mm-hmm. we'll talk about, but but if you have both both of your eyes, all of a sudden you can't see out of either of them, that is most likely a stroke and not one of these kind of other conditions. Right. Uh, second condition we want to talk about today is glaucoma. So there is a specific type of glaucoma that, glaucoma is a, series of conditions Mm -hmm. that involves increased pressure in the eye. Correct. That then blocks off or like occludes the optic nerve, correct? Yeah, it causes pressure on the optic nerve, which damages the nerve, which damages vision. Yes. And there's really two main types. There's open angle glaucoma and acute angle glaucoma. Okay. Guess which one we're talking about today. Acute. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You also wrote the script, so. Just kind of explain open angle versus acute how that works so glaucoma in general you said is an increased pressure in the eye the pressure is caused from that vitreous fluid right that jelly-like vitreous fluid so your eye the trabecular network actually of your eye creates this fluid that keeps your eye lubricated keeps and this is behind your eye this is not the front of your eye right Mm -hmm. this is behind the eye keeps it lubricated so that you you know the cones and the rods are all in a nice Wet. Healthy environment of wet and sticky, okay. just how we want them. Sure, sure. So what happens is that in when we talk about glaucoma, we're talking about the open angle or closed angle. The angle we're talking about is the space between the iris and the lens. So the lens of your eye and the iris of your eye. So if if there's increased fluid production. It will drain. There's a, there's the, the the network of you know things that you have in your eye will drain that fluid over time. But you have increased production over it over time. It builds, it builds, it builds. It starts to bring pressure on the eye. It starts to push down on the optic nerve, which is in the back of your eye, and then that causes vision problems. That's open angle glaucoma. The angle's open, so that space between the iris and the lens where this kind of fluid is is open, it's draining, there's just an increased production, so it continues to, like, build up over time. And a lot of times treatment for that, this is, like, a long-term process, like, you have this for, you know, your life, I mean, it's not, like, yours, yeah, 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 so, but you'll, you'll take, like, eye drops that dilate the vessels in the eye in Mm -hmm. order to allow for that elimination of the extra production of fluid. Yeah, kind of increased, increased drainage. Whenever we dilate, we, we decrease pressure, so that's the idea, is decrease the pressure of the eye so it doesn't mess with that optic nerve. 
Well, and it, it cause, doesn't even necessarily dilate, dilate the vessels. It'll dilate the eye itself. So it'll open up that space even more between okay. the lens and the iris. Um, now, in acute angle glaucoma, that space is all of a sudden, that space between the lens and the iris is acutely closed. So they like get really close together, and that causes an acute increased pressure um, in the eye, which is painful. So this is one. This one's painful. We said uh, retinal detachment is not painful. This is painful. All of a sudden, you have increased pressure in the eye, pain, and acute vision loss because you just have this all of a sudden a lot of pressure on that optic nerve, which can cause damage. Right, and that's because you. And the reason that will happen is because for whatever reason you get a blockage of the flow so that it can't the fluid can't get out. Can't no. get out. Exactly. So it's stuck in there. Exactly. Yep. Um so that's bad. And what are we gonna do about it? Pretty simple. We're going to get emergent laser treatments. <laughs> okay. Yep. So ophthalmologists <laughs> could handle that again for us. Yeah. Um, but it does have so about ten percent of people with the closed angles will present with that acute angle closure. And it'll be sudden ocular pain, uh, seeing halos around lights. That's a common glaucoma sign. Um, red eye, very high intraocular pressure, like Chris was saying. Usually we say um, about greater than 30 millimeters of mercury. Um, and then nausea and vomiting. Now, obviously, an EMS provider like me isn't going to know what the pressure in the eye is. But, Chris, do you want to touch on how we measure the pressure in an eye to sure. know if it's increased? And, yeah, and just to highlight some of the things you said. So the, the big telltale signs, again, if you're taking an exam or, again, seeing patients, is going to be acute loss of vision with, you know, halos and that sort of thing. Sometimes, now, this might not be complete loss. Yeah, this like is blindness. Yeah, this is not complete loss like in retinal detachment can be sometimes. Uh, but this is all of a sudden like my left eye hurts a ton and I can't see very well. It's mm -hmm. blurry, that sort of thing. So acute, it's painful, and that redness of the eye, the eye will get red because it's just irritated and, and congested. Essentially, the eye's almost congested, right? So yeah, the, the way to diagnose this is to, is to take a pressure, is to, to take the pressure of the eye and see if it's elevated. And usually, what did, what did we say? Usually it's above... Above 30 for glaucoma, above 40 for some other stuff. We'll talk yeah, about, yeah, but. yeah. So usually the, the intraocular pressure should be and I, I'm don't quote me on this completely, but around 20 is kind of like, I think like the kind of safe range, anything above 20, we start to get a little concerned above 30. We're like, Oh shoot, this is acute angle glaucoma. Cause this is, you know, this is a you know, acute onset of intra, uh, intraocular pressure. Uh, and then, you know, greater than 40 is even more. So we can talk about some conditions that will do that. So anything above 20 is like I said, a little bit worrisome. We're to we start to get, concerned. how do we measure it? So we measure it is that we take this little device and usually what I do is I have to numb someone's eye up so that they can't feel it. But it literally, like, I put it on the eye and it will take a little, like, tiny, uh, not, it's not a needle. It's like a blunt end. It's kind of like a glucometer, isn't it? It's essentially, isn't it like a glucometer strip, basically? Like, it's consider, it's kind of like you, like, dip it and then it gets the humor and it tells you. So, no. So, that is how, that's how we can measure the pH of the eye. But to increase, to, to test the pressure, I literally have to have this little thing super quickly tap oh the, yeah super quickly tap the black part of your eye to okay. see what that what that pressure is behind it so basically oh, your eye should give a pierce no no no, pierce no 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 pushing? it just taps it just taps the top of the like the front of the eye okay it doesn't it doesn't penetrate at all yeah geez but again even that can be very irritating so we usually numb the eye open the eye and we have to tap and then it'll give us a measurement okay. we usually have to do it like three times and then take the average because it's difficult to get super accurate measurements, especially if someone's blinking during it or yeah. something. You know. So, but anyway, gotcha. that's how you measure the the pressure in the eye. Now, you can measure the pressure in the eye if, if you want to be the most accurate. You can. There's 
devices that will like stick a needle in there and gross all right <laughs> um, so there we go acute angle glaucoma painful loss of vision red eye nausea and vomiting that is the kind of acute triad okay that's what we want to pay attention to for test questions things like that painful loss of vision red eye nausea or vomiting got it mm-hmm. cool get into the hospital get some laser treatment be nice to them and compassionate on the way not like really it. any prevention stuff it's like I, I went down a rabbit hole of research where it's like, oh, you can like eat these foods and like there's like all this stuff for prevention. Sure, sure. But like legitimate, like you should be getting your vision checked yearly. Yeah. As always. Right. Yeah. And then we're going to look for that progressive. Now, I, I don't know the answer to this. And if you don't, that's fine. But do we, is glaucoma in general, like the opening of glaucoma, a risk factor for acute angle glaucoma? Does that put you at higher risk? Oh, I don't know. Let me look at that and maybe answer it at the end of this podcast. All right. Sounds okay. good. Cool. So we've got, we covered two things so far. We covered retinal detachment. We covered closed angle, acute angle glaucoma. Now we're going to talk about wet macular de- degeneration. Wet macular degeneration. So macular degeneration is essentially degeneration of the macule. Okay. Um, the, what is the macule? Do you, do Go you ahead. Know? Okay. Tell uh, me okay. more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your, ma- not in macule, your macula is um, the part of your retina, which is the lining of the back of your eye that senses light, gives you that sharp, detailed central vision. Okay. Okay. So when we have degeneration of that, and when we, we start do... to have central vision loss. And this is what, this is very common in elderly people, macular degeneration over time. And that's why a lot of times we call it like age-related macular degeneration or um, like aged macular de- de- degeneration. So a lot of times this acronym is going to be AMD. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, sense. and actually, so, and and what I'll add here is that when when if you ever use the uh, ophthalmoscope to look in the back of the eye, you can see the macula. It's like a, almost like a, a red or darker dot in the center of the retina. So, like you said, it's like a, it's almost like an increased concentrated area of rods and cones and things like that. Um, and the way you, I'll say this too. I think it's important to, how do we test for some of this stuff? Because we're talking about central vision loss. How do you mm-hmm. test for that? So quick tip, what you do is you have the patient look straight. And now usually if you're going to test one eye versus the other, you have them cover one eye, you have them look directly at your nose, okay? And then you look directly at their nose as well, and you hold up fingers in like the four quadrants in their periphery. So up, you know, up in the right corner, up in the lower right corner. And, and how many right fingers, now. yeah, how many fingers am I holding up? Two. How many fingers am I holding up? Two. How many fingers am I holding up? One. How many fingers I hold up? Two. Good. But that's but, not testing my central vision. That's no, it's not. So right? now okay. if you're looking at me and I go like, and then I go in my center of my vision and you, you won't be able to tell me, but you, so you have peripheral vision, oh, you don't okay. have center. And that's another way we'll test like, does people, because some conditions will cause loss of periphery first. It's like cataracts, right? Yeah. Cataracts, cataracts will also, will lose peripheral vision and yeah. not central. So, so you yeah. can like sneak up on somebody with cataracts. I guess. <laughs> if you're into that. So, <laughs> so macular degeneration, it's that, uh, that macula. This is a new. This is a new like serial killer trait. Is like figure out if you're <laughs> figure out if your victim cataracts to know where you can sneak up on them. Okay, we got to move because we're running out of time here. Um, sharp, detailed central vision, and that's going away now because of the macular de- degeneration. Now, so this is a chronic a thing. So macular degeneration can be, and typically when we talk about it, is a chronic, like, age-related. Actually, and this was on my ER boards, the most common cause of vision loss over time in, in old people is macular degeneration. Yeah. But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a type of macular degeneration that can cause acute Called loss. wet macular degeneration. Wet. So macular. there's typically, it's 
macular degeneration is usually classified as either wet or dry. What happens with wet macular degeneration is that there's abnormal blood vessels that grow and leak under your macula. Oh, okay. Okay. So because of that, it gets wet, and then that affects your vision. So okay. this is how it happens acutely. It's like increased congestion of the macula from increased vessel formation. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. those vessels aren't, but it's not just vessel formation and all those vessels are working great. Like they're leaking too. Okay. So you have vessel, yeah, abnormal vessel growth growth, and abnormal vessel leakage in normal vessels and these abnormal vessels. Okay. And then that's going to bog down the. What causes that? Why Why does someone get that? Um, I don't know. It's an eye condition. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Are there any risk factors? Or anything oh, like actually, that? VEGF inhibitors are what treats it. So if you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. So VEGF stands for vascular endothelial growth factor. So basically, it's a protein that is a growth factor, protein hormone that's a growth factor that grows vessels. So, so if, if you've you got have... too much VEGF, I would say that that can cause wet macular degeneration. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. You got me, you got me. And then you get the the inhibitor, The med- there's like a medication type of thing, like the vascular endothelial growth factor inhibitor that treats it. Yes. Now, why you have increased VEGF, I don't know. I don't think it matters for you. Which is a hormonal. I mean, why do you have any hormonal change or, you know what I mean? Well, you personally or people in general? (laughs) 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 All right, cool. So, again, wet macular degeneration. Yes. Awesome. Look out for it. All right. One more? We got one more we want to talk about? one more. All right, let's do it. Giant cell arteritis. Giant cell arteritis, also known as temporal, temporal arteritis. Also GCA. Also GCA. Cool. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, it's an inflammatory autoimmune disease. Don't ask me why you get autoimmune diseases now, <laughs> yeah, right, okay? Fair, because fair. They're, dis- they're literally autoimmune diseases. <laughs> they're genetic malfunctions. So okay. a giant cell arteritis. So arteritis, ar- we're talking about arteries, and itis is inflammation. So mm-hmm. we have an autoimmune condition. So our body is basically attacking its own arteries. Yeah, I mean, it, affects, it affects the large blood vessels mm-hmm. yep. where these large blood vessels become inflamed. Okay. So what will we see? Inflamed blood vessels. <laughs> I just told you. No, I mean, he's <laughs> so inflamed, inflamed arteries, and then that's going to lead to um, headache because of this. Th- think about like vasoconstriction and and clogging, kind of the, the kind of symptoms you'd have, right? Yeah. So headache, pain over the temp- temples, because this is flu like temp- symptoms. This is the temporal artery. Yep, that's inflamed. Flu like symptoms, double vision, and actually difficulty opening the mouth. So almost like a jaw claudication because that temporal yeah. artery is... So what we basically look for is we're very concerned about acute vision loss in elderly people that have these symptoms. And it's mainly if they've got temporal pain mm-hmm. and they can't open their mouth. Okay. Which is called... Do you remember what the f- official medical name for not being able to open your mouth is? Uh, no. Okay. I can't remember it. I, it's look it's that like up. a tip Fun of my fact. Tongue. Send that in to our email. <laughs> I was so prepared for this. We just keep we just keep telling the listeners to tell us the answers to our questions. All right, so how do we treat it? How would you think you would treat an inflammatory vessel disease? We're going to give them corticosteroids. Okay, okay so prednisone, usually high-dose prednisone is what's going to be given to these patients. Now, are you going to give this in the back of your ambulance? To be honest with you, I'm not really sure. So do we have prednisone a lot of times in the back of our ambulance? Yeah. Do we have things like you know, salumedrol? You know, we have corticosteroids. This is where I think it's worth kind of transitioning this into talking about operationally how we handle acute blindness, all right? Your job as an EMS professional or a pre-hospital professional is going to be gathering the information we talked about, right? Because it's hard to differentiate some of these. So some questions to ask. 
was it painful when you lost your vision, right? What happened up to you losing your vision? Were, were there increased floaters and flashes for the past few days, right? Because now I'm thinking what? Retinal detachment. Retinal detachment, good. Did you have a, a sudden shade fall over your vision? That would be retinal detachment, mm -hmm. right? Um, do you have a history of glaucoma? Do you have a history of any eye conditions? When was the last time you were seen, right? Is the You want to look to see, is that eye red and swollen, right? Because what am I going to think about for that? Acute angle glaucoma. Good. Do you have nausea and vomiting? Because then I'm going to think acute angle glaucoma as well, right? I think you can get that with GCA as well, giant cell arteritis. You can get some like flu-like symptoms, right? So like Yeah, nausea, so flu-like symptoms. Yeah. Yep. So that, then we have to dif differentiate with that. Are you able to open your mouth? If they can't answer, maybe it's because they can't open their <laughs> mouth. <laughs> and then do you have temporal pain? And that's kind of progressive. But this is a true and medical pain, emergency. Temporal pain is something you have to test for. You kind of like tap over their temple area. And if they yeah. have pain, like they're not going to say like. They, they might be able to be like, when I push on my temples, it hurts really bad. That could be, yeah. Yeah. So giant, one thing I'll say about giant cell arteritis or temporal arteritis is that there is just a little bit of background. There are there are lots of different like vascular conditions. Um and there are conditions that affect the smaller vessels in your body that like ant, like autoimmune inflammatory like like vasculitis is another like it's this autoimmune family of autoimmune disease, diseases that essentially cause inflammation of the vessels there's a family of them that are like the smaller vessels and then this is the giant cell so this is the 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 larger vessels like you said so the temporal arteritis the temporal artery is inflamed so it, it is a it is a part of an autoimmune family yeah. Giant cell arteritis or temporal arteritis, usually we don't see in people younger than 60. You could say 50. You know, I mean, like in the 50s, you'd be suspicious of it. Someone in their like 30s, 40s, 20s, they have like temporal pain and a headache. Like, I'm usually, it's very rare to have this if you're younger than 60 years old. Yeah. If you look at statistically speaking. Yeah. So you kind of want to look for these kind of classic symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. You want to you yep. pay attention to those. And then getting into the kind of operational aspects of this, ask those questions to try to differentiate from the four because those are the four most common acute vision loss issues that you're going to see. Now, there are some other ones, um, but they're not necessarily complete vision loss all the time, and they're a little bit more minor, so we're not really going to touch on them today. But this, we did not cover every eye condition that you can have today, obviously, Correct. right? Trismus. Other things to talk about. Trismus is the word. Trismus is where you can't open your mouth. Trismus. Uh, okay. T-R-I-S-M-U-S. Awesome. I just Googled it. Thank you. You're welcome. For paying attention to what <laughs> I'm saying. Um, the other thing with, you know, operational issues here, like be in constant contact with medical direction. Like I, I want to talk, I don't want to talk to the triage nurse right now. I'd like to talk to the, uh, an ER doctor for potential orders, right? Hey, my patient has sudden vision loss. They're over 60. They have temporal pain and they can't open their jaw. I'm suspecting that this is... Giant cell arteritis. Or Giant cell arteritis, right? Do you want me to give a loading dose of prednisone, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the kind of, that's what separates that cookbook medic from this expert medic, right? Hey, I've recognized a, a, a triad of symptoms. I am concerned and suspicious of this condition, and I know what the treatment of this condition is, and I have it in my truck, so do you want me to give it? And that's when you as an ER doctor can be like, okay, yeah, hold off, or yeah, go ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we're always going to be doing something, but having that, getting that index of suspicion turned on for the ER doctor is going to be huge in getting this person the care they need. Well, it's also huge too. I mean, I think if, if you don't make a big deal out of it, then the nurse might not make a big deal out of it. And now the patient's sitting in the back room for 45 more minutes before the ER doctor gets to them because there's COVID patients and a bunch of other, you know, they're busy doing a bunch of other stuff, right? So like, again, having suspicion for these high risk conditions is super important. 
um, and bringing that to the attention like of the, the rest of the medical team as well. Right. Um, one thing we'll say just really quick with giant cell arteritis, there's also some like there is a small increase in potential mortality if you have giant cell arteritis because there's a chance that you could also get inflammation of like other large arteries like your coronary arteries or like or like then have a stroke yeah a stroke or, or well not a stroke oh you said coronary sorry yeah, yeah. have a heart attack <laughs> have a heart attack. <laughs> have a heart attack or you can have cerebral right vascular right cerebral arteries yeah. things like that and get stroke so again there's again these are life-threatening conditions or um either you know the morbidity or the mortality is super significant in these conditions again I'll just emphasize again, these are not all the conditions that cause acute vision loss, but these I think are some of the kind of like the main big ones we want to highlight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. So like quick, quick review. We talked about macular degeneration. We talked about glaucoma, acute angle glaucoma. We talked about acute cell arteritis. Giant cell, giant arteritis. cell arteritis. And we talked about retinal detachment. That's right. And we kind of talked you, talked you through how to differentiate from those. Yep. So Cool. Well, hopefully that was helpful to you guys. Again, if you are interested in getting CAPSI credits, not only for our content, but some other uh, awesome content we're excited to showcase very soon, uh, show us your interest by going to guardiancme.com. And like I said, just put in your first name, your email address. Again, we promise to not spam you. We just want to kind of gauge the interest. We uh, appreciate you guys listening. And again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email us at, what was it again? Guardiancme. No, 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 that's the website. Oh, if they want to email us, podcast. That's what it is. It's podcast at guardiantestprep.com. Clearly, he's checking it often. So, <laughs> no, actually, I, I will say, suit quick little PSA here. Um, we do have another Q and A coming up for this quarter. Okay, yeah, yeah. So every every quarter, we're trying to do a podcast episode where it's just question and answer. Where where you can ask Chris and I anything. It can be medical related. It can be personal related. Whatever you want. Right. We get to choose what answers we we give. So. Like yeah. I can just, if you give me like a really personal one that I don't want to talk about, I just won't okay. use it. But anyway, we need questions. So send them in and you can send them to the same thing. Podcast at guardiantestprep.com. Awesome. Thanks guys. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Stay sweet. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, we'd love for you to check out all the rest of our content at guardiantestprep.com. We specialize in preparing EMT, AEMT, and paramedic students for not only their school, but also the National Registry exam at the end. Enter EMT Test Prep with over 15 hours of videos, workbooks, question banks, and everything you need to pass. We'd love to have you get involved. Again, guardiantestprep.com. Check us out.